Yeah, and thanks for praying for me these past couple weeks, too. When I went to the missions trip with ACT down to Louisiana, there was still a lot of work to be done, and, and um, it was a little overwhelming, but I appreciated the prayers, but it came to an end. The week, the week comes to an end, and it's, it's time to go home, and it was hard to say goodbye to some of those people that we met. And as I thought about it, you know, it's, it's true that endings are hard. They're always hard. I, sometimes endings are good, and sometimes endings are even necessary, but rather they're, they're good or necessary doesn't take away from the fact that almost always are endings hard. Let me give you an example. Maybe a, a job came to the end that you really liked and you didn't want to leave, but, but you needed to. And that was a hard ending. Or, or maybe a vacation came to the end and you just wanted a few more days. You weren't ready for it to end. Or, 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 or maybe it was that, that good book or that Netflix series you were watching and the, there were no more episodes. They came to an end and you just you needed a little bit more. Or if you're like me, it was the end of the bag of peanut butter M&M's. You know, the kind that you put in the microwave for a few seconds and they get warm on the inside, but they're still candy as hard on the outside still. They're so delicious. I, I, where was I? <laughs> oh, yes, endings. Endings are hard. And I think, truthfully, they're even harder when it comes to relationships. I know for, for Trisha and I, we had some close friends many years ago, friends that we absolutely loved, we spent vacations with, we spent weekends with, we did everything together with them. They were more than friends to us, but they were called to the mission field in China. And I remember saying goodbye to them, and it wasn't the end of a friendship, but it was an end of that time period. And we knew it wouldn't be the same anymore, and that, that was so hard to see them go. Remember that? Or maybe for you as the end of a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that, that, was, that was difficult, or maybe even worse. What if it was the end of maybe someone's life, someone you loved and cared about, and now that person's no longer with us? And now you're left feeling like, what do we do now? How do we move forward now? How am I supposed to fill that gap that's in my, whole, in my heart now moving forward? Well, I think those emotions can bring, bring, bring fear and anxiety. Endings are hard. That's what Jesus' disciples are feeling as we read our passage of Scripture today. Because you see, these guys were, were feeling some of the same emotions that I just expressed to you because they had followed Jesus for three years. They'd given up everything they had to follow Jesus they, they served with Jesus, they walked with Jesus, they saw him every single day. In fact, they witnessed remarkable things Jesus had done. They witnessed incredible miracles being done. They saw how Jesus interacted with people in ways they had never seen before. They saw how he respected and he honored women and children in a way that the culture of that time was not doing. They witnessed how he loved people, how he drew people in. They saw him challenge the religious. They saw him challenge those whose motives were impure. He, they saw him fight for what was right. They, they, their lives were changed. This wasn't just their leader. Jesus was so much more. He was their, their friend. 
He was someone they loved and cared for. Jesus changed these guys' lives. He changed their eternity. And now, and now we see Jesus telling them things like, like, I'm going to be betrayed. And, and he told them that he was going to be taken away, that he was going to die. He was going to go. This is an ending these guys just can't accept, or, or maybe they just didn't get it, or maybe they didn't want to get it. Regardless of what it is, it was too hard for them to come to terms with the realization that the person that they had grown to love, that they, that they had grown to follow, the person they had grown to depend upon, he's going to leave. He's gone. So now what do they do? How are they supposed to fill that hole in their lives that we've all felt when someone left us? They're faced with this, and this is where we want to pick up the conversation with the disciples that Jesus had in John chapter 14 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 14. That is in the New Testament toward the back. Or uh, if you have a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open that. John chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 16. It says this, I'll ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And then we jump down to verse 25. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, it's a series that we're in that we've entitled Gentle and Lowly after this book by Dane Ortland, And it's in... It's in this study that we've, we've I hope, begun to, to gain a, a restored picture of, of Jesus through Scripture. That, that means I, I hope that we're beginning to see Jesus more clearly for all that he is. And, and maybe you're here and you're even rediscovering some things about Jesus. Rediscovering a, a God that truly loves you. In fact, I will go as far as to say this. That God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He, he's fond of you. He takes joy in you. Sometimes that's harder to believe, but it's the truth. But what that, that does is it raises a question in my mind. If that's true, if we are that loved by Jesus, then why does he leave? Why would he leave the disciples like this? Why would he leave us like this? Why did it have to end? And, and, and thankfully for the disciples and for Jesus, Jesus doesn't just walk away and leave us high and dry. He doesn't just, he doesn't just walk away and say, well, guys, you know what? Uh, uh, we had a good run, right? I mean, we did some good stuff. We accomplished a few things. Um, it, you know, it was a great run. Best of luck. See ya. I'm out. 
That's not how Jesus ends things. No, in fact, quite the contrary. He ends by telling them some incredible news. He tells them, look, you won't be alone. I am leaving you with a gift. I am leaving you with the second member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who would come to be with us. And the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is important to understand here. Because like our author of our book here puts it, he says the Spirit causes us to actually feel Christ's heart for us. He, he helps us take what we know and move it to our hearts, what we, what we can truly feel. And let me, let me show you this morning how that happens a little bit. Let me jump back into John chapter 14. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. And then again, he jumps down to verse 26. It says, When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. The word that keeps jumping out in these passages of Scripture is the word advocate. That, that Jesus is sending us an advocate. This is a Greek word that's called paraclete. It's, it literally means one who comes alongside of. That is the literal translation. One who comes alongside of. So what he's saying is, look, the Holy Spirit is God who will come alongside of you. He is oppressing the love of Christ into us as we journey through this, this life. And, and I'm telling you that today because some of you here would be encouraged to remember this because I wonder, are you facing anything in your life right now that is too overwhelming for you? That is too much? It's bigger than you. If that's true, then I'm telling you, you have an advocate. You're not alone. You have one who comes alongside of you through this. Or maybe you're, you're, you're struggling with an addiction or a habit that you just cannot break. I'm telling you, you have an advocate. You are not alone. You have one who comes alongside of you. Or maybe you're facing just fears and anxiety. You see the news. You know what's going on. There's chaos, and now you're starting to wonder, what's this mean for my finances? What's this mean for my job? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean? And you're consumed with that. I'm telling you, you have an advocate. You are never alone. There is one who comes alongside of you. This is great news for us today. And so I want to spend the rest of our time just kind of highlighting some of the ways that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. What does this look like in our life to have the Holy Spirit come alongside? So let me highlight a couple of these. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit guides us to experience truth. We see in verse 17, it says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. Well, I, I, I'll be honest. When I started first reading the Bible, truth was hard to find. It was hard to understand. I, I admit, I, I didn't get a lot of this. It didn't make sense. And I've heard some people say, I've tried to read this. It just doesn't make sense. And I, I get it because there's names in here that I can't pronounce. I still can't. I don't know. There's places in here I don't know. I've not been. There, there's concepts, there's themes, there's ideas, there's words in here that I just, I just they're, they're hard to grasp. They're, they're far beyond what, what my mind can fathom. I just don't know. But as I kept 
reading and I kept praying to the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to my heart that he promises to do. As I kept leaning into other people who were wise and hearing from them. And, and, and as I kept doing that, I realized that so many questions that you and I have are answered in here. Questions like, well, why am I here to begin with? Or, or, or why does life matter? Or why is the world so messed up? Or why am I so messed up? Or, or, or why, how, who's going to fix the world? Or, or who's going to fix... Me, many of these things, as I read Scripture, I began to form a framework that allowed me to see clearly for the first time in my life. And the Spirit's role is to illuminate the truth of Scripture to us so that it can lead us to a a deeper understanding of who God is, but also a deeper understanding of who you and I are. That's the Holy Spirit's role. And this is why I want to encourage you, as you have your chair time, remember chair time is that time where, where you, you have one-on-one time with God, where it's just you and Him sharing time together. It's in that time that I want to encourage you that every single chair time you have should begin with this one simple prayer, a prayer that just sounds like this. Holy Spirit, open my heart and my mind to what you would have for me today. Show me, Holy Spirit, the truth that you would have for me. Point out things in me that offend you that I can confess. Teach me, Lord, today. Help me to see. Amen. Invite him in to open your heart and your mind because that is his role, is to reveal the truth of Scripture to you. If you're struggling to get out of this what you want, I encourage you, ask for his help. He will. Then there's another thing the Spirit does. He leads us to discover true peace. In fact, it's in verse 27. It says this, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. So when you think of peace, what comes to mind? Maybe, I don't know, a bench in a park on a warm summer day, gentle breeze blowing, peaceful. Or maybe it's sitting around a dinner table with all your family and friends just enjoying the afternoon. Perhaps peace to you is, is um, reading a good book on a day where the house is totally clean. I don't know. And those things are peaceful, yes, but... I. This isn't the kind of peace that Jesus is speaking of here. Jesus isn't speaking of world peace here. What Jesus is speaking of is a peace that we can have a settled confidence in our soul when everything around us is falling apart. In fact, this author, Sheila Walsh, puts it like this. She says, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Christ. Peace isn't the absence of pain. It doesn't mean you won't have struggles. It doesn't mean you won't have hurts. It doesn't mean any of those things. What it means is that when you are in the midst of those things, Jesus' presence, the Holy Spirit's presence is with you, giving you peace no matter what happens. He will guide you 
through those struggles, through those times, with the promise of his presence, and that is what gives us peace. I say that, and yet i got to recognize this week, this past week, anything but peaceful. In theory, this is great. I can talk about it all day long. It's in reality. When, when our lives are truly faced with this, that's, it's hard. So let, let me share with you just what this looks like in reality. So I got a text message from a young woman this week. She comes to our Norwalk campus here, and, um, and she texted me because her, her father had passed away. And so she wanted to let me know that he had passed away and she was struggling. But more than that, she was struggling because he doesn't live close by and she couldn't be there with him. She couldn't be with her family. She couldn't be at the funeral. There was separation and she was just really wrestling through this. Her world was just kind of imploding. And so I, I asked her how she was doing and she responded to me, with this message that I just want to read for you because it's just such an example of what this looks like in the midst of chaos. She said this, that I'm doing okay. She said, I still can't believe it's happened, but I'm at peace. I will rejoice in my pain right now because I can't bear, bear if God is without me. Praise the Lord. He is my comfort and my strength and my peace during this time. I'm so grateful. She understands that it's not, peace isn't the absence of struggle. It's the presence of, of the Holy Spirit with her in the midst of these things. It's possible to be okay when everything is not okay. That's his peace. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. But then there's another thing I want to highlight. That the Holy Spirit promises to always be there for us. In fact, it's in verse 16, it says this, and I'll ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. This is an important thing to know because Jesus was a man. He had the limitations of a man. Yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. This wasn't a 50-50 split. He was all both which means that he faced the limitations of humanity. He could only be in one place at one time. In fact, we see this all throughout Scripture. People wanted to be with Jesus. In fact, it was his close friends that got mad at him. Mary and Martha, over the loss of their brother, they, sold, they said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The, Jesus had limitations. He couldn't be everywhere at once. The Holy Spirit's role is different. He is unbound by human limitations. He is unbound by time and space, which means that he can be there for you 100%, all the while be there for me 100%, and for you and for you and all around the world. The Holy Spirit can be there 100% for each and every one of us, unbound by time and space. This is a gift from Jesus. Jesus knew he couldn't do that. He left us. The Holy Spirit, who could? 
It's an incredible gift. And then we read in verse 18 this, that I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, we live in a time when we're more connected than ever. We can send text messages, Facebook messages, emails quicker than, than anything. And yet, we're one of the most lonely cultures ever recorded. We're, we're lonely. And this is why I'm grateful that God's Spirit is always available to us. He's always, always there. His presence is always near. He promises to never abandon, to never forsake, to never leave us. In fact, again, it's our author of our book that we're reading that says this. He says, one thing as a child to be told your father loves you, you believe him, you take him at his word. But it is another thing to be swept up in his embrace, to hear his beating heart within his chest, to instantly know the protective grip of his arms. This is the glorious work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes what we know God loves us and he pulls us in tight so that we can truly experience the love of Christ. He holds us there. The Spirit comes to us in a real tangible way here. I know we've only scratched the surface. There's so many more. For instance, um, like in Romans chapter 8, we see that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we're too weak to pray. We see that when we are hurting, when we're angry, when we're down, when we have nothing left to give, when we are at our weakest, when all we have is groans and tears, the Holy Spirit steps in and prays for us in our behalf to God. An incredible gift this is. The Holy Spirit prays for us. And then this one, in John 16, 8, I know this one's a little more uncomfortable, but it's true. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. Now, I know at first glance, it never seems good to be convicted of our sins. It never feels good to be told what we're doing wrong. However, we need the advocate to do this for us. Because if we don't, then we're just going to continue doing the same dumb, hurtful things that we've done over and over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit says, no, He wants to shine a light on what we're doing wrong so that we can do it right, so we can truly live with freedom and peace. I, just a side note, I want to just share. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, this is never done through guilt and shame. Never. The Holy Spirit's voice never sounds like guilt and shame. And when you feel the guilt and shame, that is not Him. However, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it's always for our good, and it's always with life change in mind. There's always something that needs to be changed, and it's for our good. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit's conviction. Um, another one here. The Holy Spirit produces healthy fruit that nourishes others. It's, it's like the example of the tree that produces oranges and pears and, and apples. It's good for us to go and take from that fruit to nourish our souls. And in the same, in the same sense... The Spirit produces those fruit in our lives for the benefit of our relationships and for other people. And what are those fruit? Well, we see in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
These are the fruit of the Spirit. Imagine your relationships if you grew this kind of fruit. Imagine if your husband or your wife could come to you at the end of the day and pick from you love and kindness and you had that to give. Or if your kids came to you and they, and they, they longingly reached up to pick from you gentleness and, and patience and you had that to give. Or what if your coworkers came to you because you were the only one that grew, that grew self-control or joy and they needed that and you had that because you grew it. It is the fruit of the Spirit in our life that change our relationships and they will change it dramatically if we allow the Spirit to produce these things in our life. I know I'm just glossing over the surface of this stuff real fast and there's so much more that, that we could talk about, but I, I, I want to I change course for just one moment as we end. Because it's true that the Holy Spirit's our advocate, but it's another thing for us to allow him to be our advocate. Let me, let me give you an example I'm talking about. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, okay, Charles, I love Jesus and I want to follow him, but I don't, I'm just don't see this fruit growing in my life. I, I don't experience this peace in my life that you're talking about. I, I, don't, I don't experience it. And if this is you, and oftentimes, I'll admit, it's me more than I want to admit, then I want to close our time here by challenging you with these, these hard words from the Apostle Paul, who was writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he closes 1 Thessalonians sharing these words with them. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. He says to them, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Essentially what he's saying is, look, if you're building a fire and you're going to go outside and roast some marshmallows, you wouldn't soak the logs in water. He's saying, don't pour water on the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the flames of what he wants to do in our lives. And, and, and I think, okay, we, I don't think we intentionally do that. So how do we do that? How are we stifling the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a couple of ways. One, I think when we commit blatant sin. I'm not talking about you made a mistake. I'm not talking about you know, that you, you've sinned and you went to the Lord and you felt remorse and you asked for forgiveness and it was, forgiveness was given. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about blatant sin that you commit over and over and over knowing that you're doing the wrong thing but you refuse to change and so you're just going to continue doing it. That's blatant sin. Sin's like, like a slander of other people or... or, or or sins like bitterness or unforgiveness in our hearts when we know we should forgive that we don't. There's sexual sins that happen. There's, there's gossip that happens. There's all sorts of these things that we continue to do knowing we shouldn't, but we do anyway. Those are blatant sins. They will stifle the Holy Spirit. We can stifle the Holy Spirit when, when we ignore God's ways and we go our own that can stifle the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest, 
And I think if you're honest, every time in my life I haven't felt the Holy Spirit, it had nothing to do with him, had everything to do with me. It was because I said, no, I'm going to go this way and do this. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to control the situation. I am going to not listen to the counsel of others. I am going to do what is easy instead of doing what is right. I'm going to head my own way. You hang out over here. I'll let you know when I need you. That, that's when I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I have plenty of examples I could share of my life, but I imagine you have some examples of your own that you could share. So I guess I just asked the question this morning, how is it that maybe you are stifling the Holy Spirit's work in your life? If you're one that says, I'm just, I just don't feel it, I don't see it, I don't experience, then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, it's not because of him. So, so what is it? Maybe it's time to examine your life and say, okay, what, what am I doing to stifle the Holy Spirit? That's for you to work on this week. And um, if the Spirit of God is convicting you of something, then I, I, want, I just say it's a good thing because he's getting ready to do something incredible in your life to get that fire going again. Trust him in this. I think the best way we can do this together this morning is just simply by having communion together. So get, get your communion cups if you would. And um, I, th- I, think, I think what we need to do is just to take a moment to embrace and remember truly what what happened on the cross and in the resurrection because before Jesus sent the advocate to us, he, he took upon himself our sin and shame and died on the cross, rose again three days later. And he did this so that we, you and I, could be forgiven and free so that the fire could burn brightly in our lives. And so... Let's just remember this together. If you would, I've heard if you press down on the tab before you pull up, it's easier to open. So take that top layer off. And as you do, and you hold that bread in your hands, let me read this to you from Paul. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So Lord Jesus, we do this together in this place collectively this morning in unity, remembering and saying thank you for what you've done. Amen. Let's take that bread together. And then if you would peel back the second layer for the juice. And as you hold that, listen to these words. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So Lord Jesus, once again, may we never forget. May it never become normal to us. 
God, may the truth of what you've done astound us every single day, Lord Jesus. We remember. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's take that cup together. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what he does in our lives, where he leads us to truth. He gives us peace. He's always there for us. He helps us to pray. He convicts us, Lord, so many things. What a gift that is, and I thank you. I thank you for the, the fruit that, that is apparent in our lives from the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to, to, to show more every single day. May we be more like you. Help us in these areas where we're weak. We confess, Lord, that we need help. I thank you for this gift that you've left us with, that you didn't leave us alone, that you gave us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, won't you stand and let's close with our benediction together this morning found in Matthew. Uh, read this with me if you would. Then Jesus said... Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Go with that truth this week. Have a great afternoon.